Howdy folks, and you're listening to the Speak Up podcast, a topical discussion podcast surrounding all things mental health. Uh, you're listening to episode five, uh, and I've been speaking to Leah, who is a certified life coach with a focus on health, specifically women's wellness uh, and well-being. So in the episode, we talk about um, Leah's journey to becoming a life coach um, where she talks about her, um, her sort of focus on hormones and the part that they play in women's well-being and also the need to focus more holistically on the mind-body connection. So we'll be talking about, you know, is there a need for medication? Is there a clinical need for medication? And where there isn't, is it more of a want and a desire rather than an actual biological need? And we talk about the, you know, the kind of um, the argument, uh, the arguments around sort of medication and taking a more holistic diagnostic pathway, uh, which is, you know, kind of goes against traditional medicine. That being said, guys, quick disclaimer here: we're not here to advise on medical health and diagnosis or anything like that. This is purely for awareness purposes only. Um, Leia comes with a wealth of experience. She's a certified advanced EMT, emergency medical technician over in Tennessee in her, in her state in the United States. So she does have that medical experience and, and background knowledge. And she's also a pre-med student training to become a, a, doc, a, a basically a natural doctor or homeopath uh, here in the UK. You might be familiar with that. So that's what she's training to, to do ultimately. Uh, she's currently a life coach with a focus on health, as I've said. She's also worked in a jail over in Tennessee as a, a jailhouse corrections nurse. So she has had that exposure to mental health through through that experience, guys. Really interesting episode. I've really enjoyed filming this, uh, recording this rather. Uh, we had a bit of a laugh towards the end, and I asked her a question unrelated to the podcast. And it was a nice finish to the to the to the episode. I had great fun fun with Leia actually recording this. It's been really good fun. And it's had a positive spin on it, actually, as opposed to some of the other episodes we've recorded. So it was nice to have that positive aspect to it. I hope you really enjoy it. I hope you get something out of it, guys. And as I always say, guys, please, please do not use this information as a substitute for professional medical advice from your doctor. Uh, so with all that being said, I hope that you enjoy the episode. Please like, share, comment and subscribe across all our channels. I'd really appreciate it to gain some more traction, guys. Uh, this is episode five with Leia, uh, who has her own company, uh, Living Healthy with Leia. Uh, she talks about how you can get in contact with her and her contact details in the episode. I hope you enjoy it, guys, uh, and you guys take care. Bye-bye for now. Welcome, folks, to the Speak Up podcast. Uh, you're listening to another episode, episode five. I've got a guest speaker on the show, uh, Leia, who is joining me from Tennessee, good old Tennessee, United States. Uh, so it's a bit different to to previous episodes. Uh, she'll be joining us today talking about um, her business and some of her experiences uh, and some of her unique insights in relation to to mental health and and um, the the roles that she she's involved with there. So, Leia joins us um, now on the line. Uh, how are we doing, Leia? Doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's great. And you've got tea there as well, haven't you? My, my I pattern. do. I, I have my cup of tea. Yeah, excellent. That's that's what we that's what we need to keep to keep to keep the energy going and things. So a bit of caffeine in there. So, <laughs> um, so uh, my first question is going to be sort of you know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to come on the podcast and sort of speak up today? Um, not a problem. Thank you. Uh, so my name is Leah. I uh, recently had a birthday, so I'm now 38. I think when we spoke, I was about to have my birthday, and I was 37. So, yeah, I'm getting closer to 40. And uh, I am a mom of two nine-year-old girls. They are twins. And I have a history in the medical field over here in the United States. And like our conversation we had um, prior to this is that it is a little bit different than y'all's healthcare and mental health. And uh, I have a degree in psychology as well as a degree in pre-med. 
And I own a company called Living Healthy with Leia, and it is a life health and success coaching business. In a previous experience, I was a correctional nurse or I worked in a jail and um, I worked on ambulances and I even owned my own little art store at one point. So that's that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I mean, that's that's loads of different um, perspectives that you might have and loads of different bits of experience as well. So I'm sure you've got uh, a lot of um, unique insights into into this sort of topic matter, especially the whole, um, you know, you worked in a jail as well uh, as a nurse. I know we, we touched a lot of, a lot about that, a lot about we talked a lot about that in our in our prior conversation. Um and we mentioned, we talked obviously a little bit more about your company, Living Well with Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mentioned uh, about the sort of mind-body connection between, um, you know, medications and also the, and their relation to the, to the body and, and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we touched a little bit about that, didn't we? We I did, yes. Yeah. I don't know if you wanted to expand a little bit about that. Um, I know it was quite an interesting aspect of the conversation. You were talking about women's wellness and, and, and things like that and uh, the sort of clinical side of, um, you know, what you're trying to achieve um, in terms of your studies and things like that. I know you mentioned you wanted to go um, a bit further with, with, with your studies, with the medical Absolutely. side of things. Absolutely. I want to, um, I'm working on getting into med school. Yes, over here, we have to take a big test called the MCAT. And it's basically making sure that I can understand the scientific principles that go into medicine. And uh, so I'm studying for that to get in because I want to be a doctor of organic medicine, which means we we take the natural homeopathic or uh, I'm not sure if do you guys have apothecaries over there? Um, Homeopaths? I think we, we sort of um, we touched on it last time, like um, I think it's an, an, a naturopath or something. Yeah, uh, a, a natural, nat- naturopath, yes. So yeah. it's similar yeah. to that, but they have the science behind it to be able to move forward if medication, if your body shows that medication is necessary or aggressive treatment plans with more modern techniques are necessary. Because um, you don't want to, honestly, in medicine and in physical, mental, holistic health, you don't want to negate any one idea. You want to kind of, you know, have a good balance of what your body needs versus what you think you want. And that's kind of where I come in as right now, currently in my career with my company is we deal with a self-development inclusive with fitness. And we deal with mainly just helping people understand what their body needs versus what they think they want from television from all these ads over here we get so many ads about personal fitness equipment all these medications and tiktok loves this one of fat burning with coffee and lemon juice which does absolutely nothing uh there's no science behind it but helping people kind of cut through what you see on social media helping women cut through um what you read on google and google met and uh webmd And we look at medications and we talk with whoever their attending physicians or their therapists are. And we talk with them about the biology of it all. And we, we break down ways that we can work with the female body. And I specialize specifically with moms and with uh, women because we have so many uh, hormonal changes throughout our life. Our bodies are constantly changing every month we have a very defined cycle and those hormones as they increase they decrease they increase they decrease and unfortunately that causes a lot of weight gain weight loss um, exhaustion and understanding the foods that you need understanding the fitness uh, regimen that actually helps during those different cycles can help you either if your body needs regulation can actually help regulate your body without medications can also help regulate your body without needing to do extreme dieting, ex- extreme fasting and not having to do anything completely extreme in most cases. And I would say about 97% cases. Um, but of course you always have ones that their bodies just weren't born or their bodies have adapted to not having certain, uh, certain um chemicals that you know you do need medications for and we can't negate that because everybody's bodies are different especially with women 
Yeah. And yeah. so my program, it's called Lo uh, Loving the Person in the Mirror. It, it teaches you about self-awareness, how to look at yourself honestly without TikTok, without Instagram, without all the voices in your head of all the people that are telling you you're this or you're that, such as um, a personal experience is I've had people tell me how loud I am, how tall I am, how assertive, how aggressive. And when you shut down all those voices and you use your voice and you look in the mirror, there is a actual, a dopamine release. There is a, a decrease of cortisol. When you stop listening to all the other people's voices that you've heard your, heard your life or heard over time, and you shut them out for a moment, you close that door and you hear your voice, your body actually naturally will relax. And that anxiety, that stress, that listening to the other voices calls will cause your body to kind of go into an epinephrine, norepinephrine, fight or flight. And when you stay in that constant um, state of fight or flight, your body reacts to gaining weight. You actually can decrease your intelligence or your reaction time because you're having to filter through and reorganize so quickly. So when you shut all those voices out and you listen to your voice and you listen to your thoughts, your reaction time comes quicker, your thought process becomes clearer and you get rid of what I like, what in the medical field we call the brain fog. And yeah. you, you basically start breaking a habit. They call it, a, it's a habit chain or habit loop. And you are able to break that down and restart what you're doing and how you react and your body restarts and you'll start to lose weight. You'll start to have more energy. And the program that I have is proven to work naturally for about 97%. There's always that 3% of individuals that they need care that's outside of life coaching and health coaching. And for those, I work with them to help them find the programs that is helpful for them when they come across my, my uh, program. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing. The, the, um, you were saying about, you know, the body, um, you know, your mind is able to sort of regulate, you know, your body effectively. Um, you want, you know, when you were saying that, you know, you, you drown out those, those negative voices and, and that sort of, I guess the internal criticisms that you're taking on board from what other people have said to you. And once you actually do that, it's yeah. really transformative from what you've said. Um, and that's, that's kind of like, um, reflected in like some of the things that I've heard. I mean, um, I don't know if you've heard this before, but they say that, you know, if you're cold, imagine like, a, I mean, this is more of a visualization, but imagine a fireplace, a coal fireplace, and it actually, um, raises your body temperature just by thinking about being in a warm place and really focusing in on that. So it's kind of like power of the mind, isn't it? You know, to, to a certain degree, what you're saying, um, that's exactly it. Um, and they have this, there's several different programs out there when, uh, cause we introduce meditation in my program. And one of them is um, it's you, there's so many different types of medication, but this is body centralizing where you actually start at your toes and the end of your toes and the end of your fingers. And you let your mind create what you visualize and you focus on that as it flows through you. And what I've noticed is that if you have something blocking you or stopping you, you actually see a darkness. And if you focus on that and bring in the light, things start to calm down for you and you can physically feel your body relaxing. It is, it, it's amazing. It's what you're saying with the visualization, but you're yeah. focusing on this light and your mind becomes clear. Your body relaxes, your body becomes clear and over time, you see this long lasting, sustainable change. And that's really what this is about is sustainable change. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's about being able to do this when you're 60, 70 years old, being able to hold true to this program. Because the, the great thing is, is after you're finished with the program, we're there to support you for the rest of it. You can always come back and read the video, read the blogs, see the videos. You have a lifetime membership to ask questions. Yeah. That's great. And um, just in terms of your business and things, is there anywhere people can go to find out more? Uh, oh, if you'd like to... Absolutely. They can, of course, come on WhatsApp because it's easier when you are international to use WhatsApp. Um, yeah. You can use my number 
which is 704-953-5377. You can also email me anytime at howtolivehealthy23 at gmail.com. And uh, I do have a website. It's, of course, always in transition because I'm always working on keeping it better, keeping it up to date. But it's uh, www.livinghealthywithleah, and Leah is spelled L-E-A-H, dot com. But I'm always welcoming. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah, amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty much everywhere. You can even find me on TikTok. Uh, I do silly little things on there just to to make people laugh. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can pretty much find me anywhere, and I'm always willing to have a conversation. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and sure, it'll be a benefit to, to, to listeners and stuff like that, like globally, really, you know, if it, you know, of interest, you know, to see how you do things and, and, you know, your background and experience and things like that. Um, you mentioned as well, obviously, we've touched on it already, that you, was, um, you worked in a jail mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a nurse there. Um, how uh, would you say that your experiences um, in that role kind of led to um, what you do now in your, in your current business? Was this pre pre um pre-business or was this post-business sort of thing or we could say it was mid-business because i was actually in training to get my certification for life and health through a yeah. um, an international company called uh, B, uh, bci and our bc uh, bhc i'm sorry bhc I, I don't know where i got bci from but um i was in the middle of it and i would say it definitely confirmed a lot of my my program for me and it showed me areas in which I could do a lot of good and focusing because I did get to work with mental health quite a bit. And it was really sad because it was more about the medication and less about the holistic approach. And I saw how detrimental this was to so many of my patients. Um, they were gaining weight. They weren't getting vitamins. They didn't get any exercise. They weren't allowed outside. And their mental health, I watched it decline. They would come in angry or on drugs or maybe even just coming in for a misdemeanor. And within a week, they were pale and sick and aggravated and angry and frustrated. And there was just so much to be seen. Um, and there were so many strong medications being given to patients. You would come in on absolutely nothing. And within a month, you'd be on three or four antipsychotics. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It confirmed for me that this was the right path to help people. If there was a way that I could reach out and work with these individuals before they even make the choices to go to jail, that leads them to jail. If I could uh, reach out and teach others about the holistic idea of self-development with fitness and being self-aware that um, you're worth loving. And that's a lot of what I teach is that you're worth loving. And so many people don't understand that when you hear the words, you are worth loving, it it has this amazing change. Because yeah. so many of us, uh, especially those that um, have been diagnosed with different mental um, illnesses, or, uh, you know, as some people even call it possibilities for change, they, they don't realize that not everything is their fault. They haven't been told that not everything is their fault. They haven't been told that you can look in the mirror and say, I'm okay. I'm not okay. This is not my fault. I don't have to be the victim of this. I'm worth loving and I am enough as I am. Because so many people forget and we hold to the truth that if somebody tells us this, it must be true. And it tears down our self-esteem. And if you hear it enough, because people pick up on weaknesses, you start to believe it. And when you start to believe it, you have a chemical change inside of your body. And the, the work we do in loving the person in the mirror is we stand in front of the mirror and we look at ourselves and as I told one of my clients recently, and I hopefully is like, is um, inappropriate language. Okay. Cause what I told my client yep. was not appropriate language. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's I wanted right. to make sure it says this is, this is your home. This is your, your space. And I wanted to make sure that it stays in a, in a safe uh, 
place for yeah. it for our, both of us and your listeners. Um, yeah. I told my my client that she, I said, let's go into the go into the bathroom. I said, I'll be here with you, but I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say, I am worth loving, motherfucker. Yeah. Fuck you. I am worth loving. Because you're saying it to yourself, but you're also saying it to anybody that told you by their by body language and or anything that you're worth loving. And you were to go back to what you were asking me originally about the jail. I noticed that so many of them, I spoke with so many women and I prayed with so many women and men, and they said, I'm not worth it. How could I possibly be worth it because of this or be these choices or where I have been? And it just overwhelmed me so much of how many times I wanted, I did tell them you are worth loving and you are worth existing. Yeah. You are a gift. It's just, what do you choose to do with that gift? Will define you. And I told my client, you know, you are a gift. And so many people don't realize that they are a gift and working in the jail. It just solidified that this was my calling is to tell people you are worth loving and you are a gift and we can make habits that are sustainable for you to succeed, not just succeed, but to thrive in life and make every one of your goals and aspirations a reality through organizing and through planning. But more importantly, by standing in front of the mirror and saying, I am worth loving and I am worth loving myself. Yeah. And that that's not a selfish narcissistic thought. And that was such a big thing in the jail was there. Everyone kept telling me, well, they're just playing you. They're just manipulating you. And I said, maybe they are, but maybe they're not. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, mean, no mens reis. Yeah. I mean, the system, the system beats people down, doesn't it? You know, uh, I think that's a problem over here as well. The mental health system kind of uh, beats people down and, and they come into the system and they've, they've already had sort of dysfunctional lives. And, and like you say, they've never had people um, build them up and tell them that they're worth anything, you know? Exactly. That, uh, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean really interesting sort of experience you've had there and 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 also it's kind of led you on to um to doing what you're doing now you mentioned as well uh, which we didn't to talk about so much in our last conversation you mentioned you you had an, did you have an art studio did you say you were involved with art and things i did I, I don't know how much covid hit uh the uk but over here covid shut our entire country down and yeah. i current i was Okay, so my life at the time, and not much different now, is I owned a full-time business. I was a full-time medical student, full-time mom, and I worked with people with possibilities. Again, this also was another reason I got into life and health coaching because of this business. Um, I would have so many clients come in and our patrons come in, and we would basically do art and life coaching. But due to COVID and the the reason and my employees or my volunteers, they were um, physically handicapped. They were unable, most of them were in wheelchairs or they had cystic fibrosis. So we ended up having to close and there just wasn't enough money to pay the bills. So we ended up having to close our doors due to COVID. Um, And at that time, I also went through a divorce and became a single mom and uh, was still a full-time student. And I was full-time on the ambulance and then I became a full-time nurse So it was just a whole lot of changes. And the art store really was the beginning of me seeing that I could help because I I had more women, especially divorced women and moms come in and all they wanted to do was sit and talk and get advice and encouragement while we did artwork. Yeah. And it was, it really started me down this path. Yeah. That's amazing that, I mean, um, I mean, for COVID, for, for the UK, I mean, it, it more or less shut us down as well. Um, but I mean, that's amazing that you've, you've, you've gone through this sort of um, creative space and, and art as a kind of, almost as a kind of therapy, as it were. Um, you know, um, and art's obviously really useful for, for that sort of thing. Um, but it sounds like you, everything was a bit full on for you at the same time as well. But but yeah, it's uh, that's really good. That's really inspiring, actually, that you managed to do all that and, and go through what you you did personally on a personal level. Um, 
Yeah. Um, so in terms of um, mental health and things like that, um, have you sort of suffered from any yourself or have you got any sort of um, interesting stories to tell about that? Well, I've never been diagnosed with anything um, because I come from, I don't know, uh, I come from a, a traditional Southern home. <laughs> we bring out that Southern accent. Um, and over here, the expectation is, especially in a deep South Southern home, is you do not talk about mental illness. You do not talk about having problems. If you are depressed, you suck it up. If you are sad, you suck it up. You have to be happy. And as a Southern woman, um, your job, especially with in my family growing up, was you become a caretaker. You become the wife. You become the, I kind of, I, I definitely broke the rules in my family. Um, mm. You become the wife. You become the caretaker. Um, you raise your children. You take care of the home. And if you have problems, you, you don't do anything about it. You just stay in the house and you suck it up because you have to be tough. And uh, unfortunately with my family, my grandmother was very much that way. She didn't start working outside the home until my mother was almost grown. And it was just because she wanted to go and be able to buy whatever she wanted. She just wanted the extra money. Mm. Um, and my mother suffers from, uh, and I, I got her permission before sharing this. My mother suffer, suffers from manic depression with suicidal tendencies. And when I was, I guess about 17 years old, my mother tried to kill, uh, kill herself for the first time. And so that was my first real introduction into mental health facilities because my brother walked in and stopped her. Well, and, you know, she started, she got institutionalized for the first time and she would do this five more times before they finally got her regulated and come mm. to find out when she had had a medical procedure, they did not do hormone therapy. Um, she did, she had had a hysterectomy, which really messes up your hormone balance as a female. And she had no dopamine. Her body wasn't making dopamine. It was overcompensating with serotonin. Yeah. Unfortunately, when, when you have that, your body you, you can't be happy. And then all of a sudden this neurotransmitter would shoot out and it would be dopamine and she'd get really super manic. And there was no balance to it. And then the dopamine wouldn't be there and she would drop and she would decide that she needed to enter life. So they finally got regulated and it took, let's see, 20 years to finally get her fully regulated. It wasn't until about last year or the year before that they fully got her regulated to where now, but it's taken almost 20 years to get it to where she is in a good stable place and it's, it's safe for her. Yeah. So my, my experience, because I did get my degree in psychology because um, I didn't understand what was going on with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to understand because I was just a kid in high school and we always knew something was wrong because she basically checked out when I was 12 and I started running the household because my dad wasn't there. So I started taking care of the house and making sure that because I had a brother in the military, my dad was never there. My grandparents didn't feel like they should be involved because families take care of families. Um, so yeah. I've kind of started taking care of our family really. And my other brother was headed off to had headed off to college. So he wasn't there. So it was an interesting introduction. And the side effect for me was, is that I shut down the need to have anybody or anything because I, I mean, I watched my mom OD. Yeah. Yeah. And I started to, I guess you could say in a long, for a long time, I was really angry with the way the system worked because it wasn't helping my mom. So I had nothing. Yeah, yeah. And so my, my brush with it was not positive, but on the other, on the flip side, I have seen a lot of my friends get some excellent help when they needed it. And they, they got regulated very quickly. And that's why I want to do this holistic because I've also noticed that 
instead of studying the person's chemical makeup, they immediately say, okay, you're depressed. Let's put this medication. And I want to see if there is a different approach because unfortunately that medication damages your livers. It can damage your kidneys. Um, it's even been proven to cause cancers, brain aneurysms, different things. And I want to study and find a approach that if we can do this early enough and I can help those early enough that we wouldn't have this long-term effect of medications. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's I mean, kind of my brush with mental health personally. Yeah. With my family. Because unfortunately my mom became a pill popper due to it. And my father was already a narcotic abuser. So it, and his come from a long line of family trauma. So mental health has been a very interesting story in my life. It's been in the background for you, hasn't it? In, it has, yeah. but yeah. it was something we didn't talk about because yeah. DCS or uh, CPS, which is the protective services over here, um, you didn't get them involved. Um, you didn't do things like that like they do now. Um, and I was yeah. always told, you know, you don't get other people involved. You keep things in your house. Everything stays behind closed doors. Yeah. That's very much the Southern family idea. Yeah, the Southern sort of conservative sort of family values and that sort of thing. Very much so. You go to church, you smile, you put on your best, you go home and you pray that everything's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing that because it must have taken a lot to open up about that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's good for awareness, certainly. Um, thank you. Um, I'm... I pray a lot before I speak and I'm hoping that the, it reaches someone that knows that it's going to be okay. Yeah. You can work through it. And that the one thing I would love all of your listeners to know is that they are worth loving. It doesn't matter yeah. your background or where you come from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, it's the system as well um, in terms of the mental health system in, in the United States. Um What's your sort of opinion on it? What what would you say about that? It's disappointing at best. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of the mental health, what I've seen, um, the system itself is disappointing. All the way down to um, children. Everybody's more interested on a quick fix of a medication. Because with a lot of psychiatrists over here and therapists and doctors, is they get a kickback for the medications they promote. And it all boils down to money. And the, the truth is, is that it's very difficult to fix a problem if you're only putting a Band-Aid on it. That doesn't stop bleeding. It doesn't fix it. All it does is put a Band-Aid on it. And in the long run, if what you have is bad enough or you take a high, a high dosage enough of the medication, all you're doing is making that problem become gangrene. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of where the problem comes from. And it, it's like nobody wants to practice medicine anymore. Everybody, it, what is going on? Sorry. My Sorry, friend, that's okay. That's my okay. phone decided to go off on everybody. Sorry about that, guys. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, clients are actually, I just started getting messages from people. Um, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, with with the, uh, the the mental health state over here, I don't know what you guys see in the news over there, but... Everybody over here is so, they want to be beautiful. They want to be happy. They want what I, I've coined the term TikTok perfect. They want yeah. that TikTok perfect. So they go and they take these medications. They go to the gym. They starve themselves. They try and buy, they overextend themselves trying to have the perfect vacations for the perfect photos. And the list goes on and on for this concept of perfection. Yeah. And honestly, in the mental health program, it's great because now everybody is calling their therapist because they can't figure out why they're not happy. And the therapist says, okay, well, let's give you this medication. It's going to make you happy. The side effects are maybe it's not a hundred percent. And then all of a sudden you have these side effects. Well, I've got a new pill for you. Try this pill. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they even wrote about this in, um, there was a book. I don't know if, I don't think it was Isaac Asimov, but there was a book, um, written back in the 80s um what's it called it was 1984 was one of them yeah but uh he wrote a second book and it was um animal farm 
Yep, or George Orwell, is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, he speaks about the quick fix and he speaks about people controlling other people through like medications and manipulations and hypnosis. Yeah. And that's basically in a, a nutshell what our mental health has done to us. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's disconcerting. It's yeah. very disconcerting that yeah. I don't know myself out of all my friends, myself and maybe one other person of the, the many people I know are the only ones I'm not on any type of medications. And I've never been on any type of medication except Tylenol. Every once in a while when I have a headache, but I am sometimes in so many ways overwhelmed with the fact of how many medications people are taking. My mom at one point was on 12 different medications and one of them almost shut her liver down. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of medications. Yeah. And another friend of mine, she has triplets and they are 10 years old and they're all on medications. And wow. she's, uh, and it's just, it's, it's a little overwhelming the, the way of mental health in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it doesn't sound doesn't sound very good. Um, it's very similar here, although I would say in the UK, uh, we're not as quick to prescribe drugs. We're a bit more cautious, but people still obviously abuse drugs. I know you guys had the opioid pandemic, um, the opioid epi um, epidemic. I want to say where people were being prescribed prescription painkillers and stuff like that. Oh my gosh! Yes. Um, We've had, we, I mean, we've had something similar over here, but we're not as um, quick to prescribe, um, you know, drugs and things. You know, if I want to get an antipsychotic, I have to get the psychiatrist to sign off on it first. Um, even if I feel that, you know, that, you know, I want to take this med and, and, you know, I think, you know, the benefits outweigh the negatives. Mm -hmm. um, I'd have to jump through all the different hoops to do that. Um, so it's you know fairly similar situation over here. Uh, the only thing that's different over here is it's um, the healthcare system's funded by the taxpayer, whereas over there you guys have like private health insurance and things like that. Is that right? And it's a racket, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a racket. Yeah, it's, it sounds very very difficult. Well, um, the, the sad thing is, is I can tell you over here, especially in the south, different counties are known for different drugs. Like if you want meth, you go to one county. If you want cocaine, you go to one county. You want heroin, you go to one county. They're literally sectioned off by what type of drug you want. If you want pills, you go to this city. And it, everyone knows it. Everybody is aware of it. And it's it's like a pandemic that nobody can put the, to give a medication, nobody can fix it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds it sounds very like a very difficult situation. Um, my next question is more of a um, pie in the sky sort of hypothetical. But what do you believe the answer is to this to this crisis in general, to the mental health sort of crisis? Well, I'm I'm going to have to stick with my original answer, and that is there's no one answer. There's no yeah. one fix. Um, it, it, there's about seven point five million different answers. And I, I gave a lot of thought because um, when you send me the information, you know, you know, give me an yes. idea and it was on there. And I was like, you know, that's such a wonderful question. And all of us fitness instructors and coaches, we want to say we have that quick fix. We have the 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 results you want. But like you said, the pie in the sky is that the only way we can make a change is if those 7.5 million people look in the mirror and say, I'm worth loving. Yeah. Because that causes your body to have the chemical reaction that you already need. Yeah. It comes and, from within. Do, and the thing is, you have to do it a lot. You can't just do it once and quick fix. It's an everyday thing, especially when other people are coming at you. Mm. And when people are coming at you, you have to look at them and say, listen, you need to look in the mirror and say, you're worth loving. Yeah. And if we had everybody look in the mirror every day and say, I'm worth loving, and they learn to turn off the voices of everybody else 
and get off the addiction of that self-loathing and the addiction of anger and depression. Because amazingly enough, the endorphins and everything that, and the hormones that releases is a form of addiction. You, you have to kind of go through the detox of cleaning your system out of all of that and learn to look in the mirror and say, I am worth loving. And if we could get every single person to do that daily and to internalize it, that's, that's the thing right there is internalizing it, believing it. Yeah. You've got to believe it, haven't you, for it to sort of have that transformative impact, you know, it comes from within, doesn't it? Not from external factors like medications and, and all that sort of stuff. And, And validation and affirmation from everyone else. I can give you the path. I can organize the path for you. I can set you up with the perfect plan. But the moment your brain realizes what you're saying and your chemicals align and your body reacts to it and believes it, when you get your mind to believe that you're worth it, that's when every plan works. That's when it takes a step in the positive direction. Yeah. And that's the key to mental health is believing it. There are now, I, I do want to put this disclaimer. There are so many things out there like schizophrenia, um, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. Those, those are that 3% that need medications. They need something that I can't offer. So I do want to put a disclaimer. I'm not talking about the extreme uh, mental health cases. I am talking about the day-to-day mental health cases. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not talking about extreme, like psychotic illnesses, which exactly not required. exactly. I'm not talking about psychotic illnesses. I'm not talking about something that you can prove on medical paper. Yeah, I'm talking about the ones that it's the pill just makes it easier. Yeah, I'm talking about the ones that we can make a health plan and a fitness plan that helps you to overcome the need for these. Yeah. So I do want to put that disclaimer in there because, you know, there's a lot of people like, well, my brother's schizophrenic. What can you do for him? Well, honestly, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Yeah. That needs someone trained specifically for abnormal psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And I think uh, of all the, all the sort of people that are affected by mental illness in general. They're the people that I feel the most, you know, um, bad for really, because um, they're the people that generally just get given pills, you know, Uh, although there is therapies for them, you can't really do anything with someone that, uh, for example, might have paranoid schizophrenia. And I'm no expert, uh, by the way, so that's my disclaimer, but, uh, (laughs) you know, someone being paranoid it it really does get in the way of treatment you know if they're very distrustful and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, and it's yeah it's it's um it's good that you recognize that and and you put that out there as a disclaimer really to say um make that distinction between the ones that you can help and the ones where you say well okay um i can't help you but you know this person can or this organization can uh so yeah uh so thanks for that um I've got, well, I've got one or two other questions, but before we move on, have you got any questions for me? You know, we can kind of switch roles <laughs> if you want and if you want to ask me anything. Uh, I would like to know a little bit more of your background and why you, um, what became, uh, what ignited this passion for your podcast to reach out to others and to um, bring out this form of awareness? But for me, I mean, it, it kind of, um, just to go right back in my childhood, I was always quite different. And um, I, I was born with a, a disability called cerebral palsy. Yes, I know cerebral palsy. And um, I was born prematurely. I had a lot of problems um, in my early life. I, I, I um, had, well, I, I suppose you could call them learning difficulties at that time in in. in in the 90s i was born in 1990 so i'm a millennial um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah um i'm older than just... you sorry i'm older than you you are you older than me you, honestly uh, you, you don't look it at all so you know that's <laughs> that, there's your compliment from me there yeah you don't um i won't ask you how old you are because it's rude to ask a lady how old she is um oh, i don't mind i'm 38 i don't mind but but um but yeah um 
had a lot of problems basically growing up and uh, a lot of struggles and I got I faced a lot of bullying and stuff and as time went on um sort of developed um poor self-image and low self-esteem issues and then that kind of spiraled as life um life kind of knocked me down a bit a few times and I've had a lot of different personal struggles and relationship breakups and job losses and and it's all sort of gone into the mix and I had a bit of a breakdown basically um developed some paranoid fixed ideas and stuff like that and it made me quite distrustful of people on a personal level you know I'm not I'm not schizophrenic or anything like that but I I do have like some very fixed um, beliefs which are very hard to shift and it's caused me a lot of um, difficulty like functioning on a daily basis uh, I don't really leave my house very much. I'm quite agoraphobic as well. Uh, so me doing this podcast kind of arose from anger from the mental health system, not getting the right support, trying different pills, different medications at different dosages, not finding the right help. Um, I do get help now. I get like social support from social services and some therapy that I have privately that I pay outside of the NHS. Um, but it mainly arose out of anger. I wanted to help people. I know there's a lot of stigma out there. People get um, made fun of for having mental illnesses. Uh, and I've, I've never really liked that. You know, whenever you go on social media, there's always a video about some guy who's mentally unwell and people are making really crude com- comments in the comments section and just stuff like that that really irritates me. People don't never understand. People don't want to understand what's different. They're, they're, they're too ignorant to, to understand. And yeah, I wanted to give people a voice and be like, you know, this is my struggle. Like, I understand you. Like, you know, come here. You you found your people. You know, we can be your tribe, and we can we can build you up and give you that platform to to talk and speak up. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my story in, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, um, thank you for sharing that because I know that had to be difficult considering you said you were bullied and you were put mm. out there with your fixed ideas and people didn't respond in a way that felt you helped you feel encouraged and appreciated. Yeah. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. That's all right. That's okay. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, that's really why I wanted to do it, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a real journey, you know, a real journey. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of like this switching roles actually. Put, <laughs> puts a different spin on it for sure. Puts a different spin on it. Um, is there anything else you wanted to ask me? Any other questions that you might have? Well, no, but I do have a statement for you. Cool, cool. But, and uh, it is something that I have, I, I use with my my friends, my clients, and uh, with what you just shared, I want you to know that you are not alone yeah. and that I 100% appreciate what you are doing. And for all the bullies out there, I am, I'm sorry that you didn't have the support you needed, but the statement was, is that I am bold, beautiful and brave, curious and kind. And what I teach my daughters and my clients is that I'm bold enough to be my individual beautiful. I am brave enough to let others be theirs, curious enough to find what that beauty is and kind enough to accept it. So I wanted to give that to you because no matter what your ideas are, no matter what life has given you, you are a beautiful and amazing individual. Oh, thank you very much. And I think what you've been through is making you um, a light to others. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, because uh, sometimes even now, you know, I'll be honest, on the, on the podcast, it's it can it doesn't burn me out listening to other people's problems. I've always got time for people and I've always been that sort of person. But even sometimes now life can knock me, knock me back and I think, well, just fling it all in. But then I think, well, you know what, that's, this is what gives me purpose every day, gives me meaning. So um, I appreciate you saying that. And it's, it's good to hear, hear you say that. It kind of makes it real for me. I think sometimes in life we can go about our business and we don't really have any idea of the impact it's going to have on people, you know, mm. until, until it does, you know, until it really does. Um, so really appreciate you saying that. That means a lot, actually. So thank you. Um, is there anything you wanted to add? Anything else you wanted to add? No. Um, what's your um, last couple of questions? Uh, so my other question, it was another sort of pie in the sky one, really. And I, I think I know maybe what your answer might be. <laughs> it, 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 oh, it was, no, I'm predictable. 
it was if you, if you had a magic wand and you could change the world, what what bits would you change? What would it look like? This hypothetical world. Uh, I think you. I think you're right. You do know my answer. Um, if I, I had we'll... a magic wand, um, I know there's not just one fix because everything is a domino effect, and everything one action causes multiple, multiple reactions, and you never quite know where it's going to go. But if I could have one thing it would be that people could know that they're worth loving. They don't have to try and be an expectation all the time. They only have to live up to their expectation and their passions and their love that. And I, I, again, I want to put a disclaimer. I I don't go with the love is love ideas. It's the children. So we're staying away from that extremes. I'm talking about um, people loving to do art um, loving to uh, take care of one another, and if you if you love yourself and you love who you are, and you're willing to look at exactly who that is, and outside of extreme circumstances, and you live for that passion. If I had a magic wand, it would be that everybody could live making their passions a reality again not on the extreme circumstances but when it comes to extreme like uh, mental health issues but such as artists or you know accepting people that have backgrounds that that might be different yeah but if we could look in the mirror and say i'm worth loving and accept that there are things that hurt others that we can change except that there are things that in this world we don't have to change because it's not harming another person and except that you don't have to look perfect or be perfect or have the perfect home to be happy if we could wave that magic wand and people look in the mirror and love themselves we would stop abusing other people yeah we would stop hurting each other because we wouldn't have anything to prove or to hide and that's the big thing is the one reason bullies are bullies is because they have something to hide and they're scared of things because they have it in their mind that, you know, nobody loves me. Why should I love you? Yeah, exactly. That's why they're doing it to other people, isn't it? You know, exactly. Because, you know, they're not getting the, the love necessary. Like recently I started working with a, um, a school counselor and we're building a workshop for coping And one of those things is that one way to cope with so much is just to look in the mirror and say, I'm worth loving. This is going to be okay. Yeah. And de-escalating your own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And so my magic wand is that people would see that they're worth loving. I had to think about that one. And by the way, it took me almost two weeks to really think what would my magic wand be? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really good answer. I really like that. You know, there's just—I mean, there's just so much. There's a—it's a domino effect. Yeah, yeah. There's so much you could do if you had that magic wand. Um, yeah. Um, that's sort of all my questions actually wrapped up in in, in one there. But it's been a really really interesting uh, episode. Well, I, I hope I haven't uh, bored anybody too much. I tend to talk a lot. No, no, no. I mean, we've 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 done really well actually uh, in terms of like um, uh, the the podcast and stuff. The episode has, has been really, really sort of not brief, but just the right um, the right level of depth in there. So that's that's good. Um, so, Gratitude is never my strong point. <laughs> that's that's in fact actually that's one question um, that I will ask you, and it's unrelated to the podcast, uh, but. Could you tell us an interesting fact about where you're from? Yeah, you're from Tennessee, aren't you? I be. am. Yeah. Um, I know we got tickled at the different accents that you can have in the South. Uh, yeah. So an interesting fact of where I live. Uh, well, there's a bunch of interesting facts, but one of them is if you don't like the weather, give it five minutes. <laughs> um, this morning, yesterday, we woke up. It was 32 degrees. We went to bed. It was 85. Wow. 
Um, I do live up in the mountains beside the marina, which means I live on a slight mountain. And at the base of the mountain is the Tennessee River. And so um, we have a very unique climate. And uh, here's something really funny is when it snows, we're going to get about a quarter of an inch, not even a half an inch, and everything in the state shuts down. Wow. <laughs> uh, people do not know how to drive in the snow. We get excited about snow so much so that northerners that are coming from like uh, Maine or Washington or New York, they kind of laugh at us because they're walking out in T-shirts and flip-flops and it's 32 degrees and we're all bundled up with our scarves and our 15 sweaters and two toboggans on our heads and we look <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And they're standing there with uh, a cup of tea and T-shirts and shorts kind of laughing at us. Yeah, um, yeah. I work at, I, I do... Um, I get to work at a, a really neat little attraction called Rock City. And I do it because the perks are amazing. And uh, um, it allows me to get a lot of free stuff, which I love because I'm a penny pincher. And uh, some of the, the interesting things about Tennessee, where I live, is that right at the border between Twin Tennessee and Georgia is Rock City. So it's literally this mountain is in between two states and you can stand there and see a huge difference between the two sides. Um, another fun fact, because you got me started on the fun facts of my state, is that we're still in the Civil War. The war's yeah. over. We lost. But ask any Southerner. And it's just because we just buy our time. <laughs> just go to Georgia. Go to Savannah. Go to Charleston. And you just ask any old Southern lady or gentleman, they'll just tell you, it's because we are biding our time. The Yankees stole it from us. Just, just ask any Southern. Go down to Alabama and they won't even talk about the Civil War because of all the different marches. Because, um, you know, we just had our Black History Month. And uh, that was in November. Or not November, but February. And um, if you go to Alabama, it's all about... It, nothing about the Civil War. They don't give a rat's hind in about the Civil War. There's a fun state uh, statement for you, rat's hind in. Um, it is all about the different marches during civil rights. They are still fighting the civil rights in Mississippi and Alabama, uh, especially in private homes. That is a huge civil war, I guess you could say, going on. Uh, but yeah. down here we have uh, different um, accents for each different state. And we have different uh, words, such as um, one thing you found funny in our last conversation was yuns. Yuns, yeah. Yuns. So in Tennessee, you can tell what part of the South you're from by how you pronounce you all. So if you're from the North, they say you all. Like, are you all coming to dinner? Or are you all coming to brunch? If you're in North Carolina or South Carolina, y'all coming to dinner? We got the dinner going, y'all coming? And that, <laughs> and that is honestly how my grandparents speak. And my cousins all speak. Um, if you're in Tennessee, and this is how my neighbors speak, is Yun's coming. Yun's coming. Come on, Yun's. Dinner's coming. Dinner's ready. Supper. We're going to have barbecue. I I'm, I'm telling you right now, Yun's and y'all. Um, if you are in Louisiana, it's going to vary. But they have this Cajun French that's really funny with a very strange twang. Because that's what we call it. We call it our twang. Yeah. And um, down in the Louisiana, the closer you get to the bayou, it gets really French. Like, um, they don't because use guns. It's, um, how, how it's did called I... Creole. Is it called Creole or something? The language? So, uh, it's called Creole. Or, yes. uh, Kunas is another term for it. Kunas. Uh, Kunas. <laughs> See, my daughters are Kunas. They were actually born in Louisiana. Yeah. So they have a, uh, a, a Cajun papaw. Oh. And you have to have a Cajun papaw because if you don't have a Cajun papaw, you're not Cajun. And <laughs> you can't be Creole and you Creole, you can't cook. And everything down there is about food, everything, food, bright colors, jewelry um, and big old parties. Everybody's in everybody's business. And that's a very Southern trait. Um, oh, I do remember one thing that got you tickled last time was how we insult each other over here. We're yeah. very polite about it. In the North, they're just going to tell you you're an asshole. Here, we're just going to say, well, bless your cotton-picking heart. Or, <laughs> well, I declare you sweet thing. Hmm. 
<laughs> well, aren't you just a peach? And all of that's insulting. All of yeah. that. Is, if someone looks at you and says, well, aren't you just a peach? They said, aren't you just a bitch? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's how we say it. Or, well, bless your cotton picking heart. I just called you like an asshole or an idiot. Um, so it, when people, if you come to the South, a lot of people get confused. They're like, oh, aren't you just a sweetheart? Well, you just basically called someone a jerk. When you say yeah. you're just a sweetheart, yeah, you're you're being patronizing. Yeah, exactly. Over so here, that's patronizing, and we're intending it to be. We are the politest, insulting people you'll ever meet. So that, that means that it, the more polite you are, the more rude you are. Or is that, is pretty much, just... and it's so confusing to people that are did not grow up in the South because most people say, "Oh, Southern hospitality—they're so sweet." No, we're really actually making fun of you behind your back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's to your face too. I mean, we're we are not the nicest <laughs> place in the world. Yeah. Um, we're really not. The Southern hospitality comes with a price. I mean, you seem pretty okay, pretty nice person. So I don't know. I mean. Maybe I've traveled a lot. I've traveled a lot. Most Southern people have not left the country, and most of them we only speak one language. Yeah. Yeah. So we are we are the stereotype of the United States. Uh, Me, um, the biggest thing is that I my education. Um, Most people don't have more than one degree. Most people that I know don't even have a degree. and I, I say that with politeness because uh, most of my friends that don't have degrees, they're some of the greatest, you know, they own their own companies, they own their own businesses, they're extremely intelligent. But um, I, I, the only reason that makes, I, I just find the Southern culture so funny. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess that's why I can laugh at the things we do. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest, there's been more than one person I've looked at, well, Cotton Pickett, bless <laughs> your heart. I, I've done that more than once in my life and I still think it's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's funny to me as a Brit because I've never, I've not had the exposure to that. So apart from in like films and stuff like that, but it's it's funny to hear it in real life, you know. Um, but yeah, um, really good, really. I've really enjoyed this episode. So thanks for thanks for making us laugh towards the end. That's really uh, really good ending to the episode. Really. Well, um, thank you for having me on here. Hopefully, um, we can work together again because this has been a lot of fun working with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's say, um, you know, I feel exactly the same. Um, yeah, so, um, so we'll sort of end it there, really. Um, just for our benefit of our listeners, that was Leia uh, from Tennessee talking about her experiences, uh, her business uh, and um, and the work that she does and how that kind of ties into mental health. And we talked about our own personal experiences uh, and, and I actually answered a question for, for Leia as well. Um, so thank you very much, uh, Leia. Um, thank you, Ash. I appreciate it. I look forward to releasing it, uh, releasing the episode. It's episode five. And for you, for you listeners, um, I'll be uh, with you again for episode six, uh, whatever that may bring. I don't know yet. I don't know what <laughs> episode six is going to be about. But uh, but yeah, I've enjoyed um, recording today, episode five with Leia. So thank you very much. Thank you, and I hope you have an amazing day. All right, you take care. Hi, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You just listened to episode five with Leia, who owns her own company, Living Healthy with Leia. She's a certified life coach with a focus on health, women's wellness, and she's also worked as a jailhouse nurse in corrections in the corrections department in Tennessee, where she where she comes from in the United States. Uh, really good episode really enjoyed it we talked quite a lot about um, Leia's background how she came to running her own company now uh, we shared some um, some of her contact details in the in the episode there and I'll leave those in in um, in the description in the episode guys also um, we talked a little bit about Leia's personal family experiences with mental health and through her experiences working in the jail and things like that and how she wanted to make a real difference to people's lives. Uh, we talked about also um, the sort of mind-body connection. More importantly, that was the, the, the primary theme of the episode was the mind-body connection and the need to kind of take a more holistic approach to 
diagnostics and and uh, focus on the whole body, uh, particularly in relation to women's wellness and and hormones and things and the part that they play on on women's well-being basically and whether there's a need for medication in some cases obviously we don't dispute that and a quick disclaimer here as well again we don't dispute that some people may need medication you know they're very very extreme cases people with psychotic illnesses schizophrenia things like that we're we're not trying to um, provide diagnostics at all in any official capacity we're just simply saying that you know this is the approach that um uh, Leia takes and she wants to kind of take going forward and she wants to train and, and further study to become a, a naturopath, a natural doctor of natural medicine, uh, similar to a homeopath in, here in the UK. Uh, there's very similar um, similar terms used across the Atlantic over in the US. So guys, that was episode five with Leia. Really, really enjoyed it. Really positive episode. We had a bit of a laugh towards the end, as I've said. I asked where I asked her a question unrelated to the podcast. I asked her, you know, um, can you tell me something really interesting about your state of Tennessee? And we had a bit of a laugh there. If you want to uh, find out more, scroll to the swore at the end of the episode and, and you'll you'll hear more about that. Uh, I had a really good laugh recording it, actually, and it's been a real positive one. So, guys, I hope you took something from this episode. And as always, you guys take care. I look forward to having you on the show for episode six. Bye-bye for now.